Hey, this is Pastor Matt. Thanks for checking out our podcast today. Today's message is you don't make friends with salad. Enjoy. Thank you guys for making it today. Um, today is it's special, it's unique. Um, in between our sermon series, we have just Holy Spirit-led weekends where God just speaks to, to me and Patty and the pastors, and, and it's usually through some random encounter or, or the Holy Spirit reveals something, and, and that's what today is. Um, you don't win friends with salad. So what does that even mean? <laughs> I, was, I was watching this, this video on uh, A5 Wagyu steaks. Um, does anyone know what A5 Wagyu is? It's the most expensive, rarest steak that you can get on the planet. It's, I, I looked up, so I looked up the price of getting the, the chunk of beef, because you don't just order a slice, and it's, it's usually fake Wagyu if you do order a slice of like ribeye, that's, that's not real. You actually have to order a chunk this big, and they ship it to you, and then you shave it yourself to, to say how, how wide it is. To, get, to start the process, it starts at $1,800 for the steak. That's the starting price. And you get the certificate in Japanese because you can only get it from Japan of, of the birth and the death and how long it's been aged. And you get the entire story of this cow and this one. And it's, it's mind boggling. It's crazy. Have you ever, has anyone had uh, the real Wagyu at like at a steakhouse? I have not. It's, I can only imagine. And I was watching this, this video about this, the chef and his nephew, and it's this, this micro documentary, and they, they talk about the A5 Wagyu steak, and I mean, he's cooking it, and you're just drooling watching this video going, can you just, can you, can you pass it through the screen to me? I just want to try it, and so he, he makes it, but it's to the effect of, he's like, I've had it before, I've tasted it before, I've made it before. It's phenomenal. It's the greatest steak on the planet. You can't get any better. And so he says, he, he wanted to do an experiment. And he goes, at the cost of pretty much my car, I'm going to make the A5 Wagyu steak normally, but I'm also going to dry age it and then compare the two. And so he goes through the whole process of dry aging, and, and I'll get into the process a little bit later. But dry aging it basically amplifies all the flavors and it, break down, it, it breaks it down and all these chemical things happen with it. But so he takes the A5 Wagyu normal and then the dry aged version. Jay, can you close the other door just a hair? And then he cooks them both and then he has it and he has his nephew and then they take the bite of the, the A5 Wagyu and, and the, the nephew's like, it's the, it's the greatest steak. Like, uh, there's nothing better. He goes, this is the perfect steak. And then they're like, all right, well, let's try the dry aged. And then they take their faces the moment it hits their mouth, they're, they're like eyes widen, and then the main guy like almost falls off his chair, and they set down the fork, and he goes, I think I just took A5 Wagyu, which is already perfect, and made it better. He, he just increased it. The, the exact quote, I think I wrote it down. Um, he said it was the ultimate steak made better. And I kept thinking about that. Like, what would they, I don't even know what the ultimate steak would even taste like to begin with, but then to make something better, it's already perfect, but to increase its value, increase its worth, increase its, its flavor. And I kept thinking about that and 
the Holy Spirit starts speaking, God already sees us as amazing, as perfect. We're adopted into the faith, and, and we're already perfect. But then he puts us through these tests sometimes and refines us, and we're already ultimate, but he makes us better. He increases who we are. We keep growing, and, and it's this concept that's parallel to this dry aging of this Wagyu steak. And so, um, kind of out of irony and sense of humor, um, the process of dry age is you take a lump of steak. You don't cut them first. You have to just take a chunk of meat and you vacuum seal it in this special cloth that allows moisture to escape, but nothing come back in. You put it inside the fridge and you walk away for weeks. It just sits in there, all the moisture escapes, it molds, it gets gross. If you look at a picture, you might be disturbed. It's like, I'm good. <laughs> like, I don't want any of that. Then they take it out, and then you shave off the outer edge very carefully because you don't want to cut into the actual meat. You shave off all the dry age stuff, and it's this hardened crust. And then you cut your steaks, and you, you, you fry it. And, it's and kind of the irony behind it was God was speaking this verse, and in the parallel, I, I kept having Lazarus pop into my mind, the scripture, where he was placed inside this tomb and he was left for dead for days. And it's these, these processes that happen within us internally that refine who we are and what happens in our hearts. And, and it makes us the ultimate being of who we are better. And so I want to follow the story of Lazarus and, and different people around his life and what happens. So number one, what happens during dry aging? Flavor intensifies. See, the, the steak, when it sits in there, the moisture starts evaporating and going, and there's this chemical reaction with the, the fat content where it starts oxidizing. And all of a sudden, have you ever had a stew that's just been sitting there for a long time, and the flavor just keeps getting better and better and better? It just intensifies. The same thing happens with the steak sitting in a fridge. The flavor just starts intensifying and intensifying, and we're talking about at least a month just sitting in a fridge. It's crazy. And so John chapter 11, verse 21, this is a moment where Lazarus has died. He's sitting in the tomb, and people are a little frustrated with Jesus because he claimed to be the God of, of new life, of resurrection, of healing. He's done all these miracles. And people are frustrated because they're like, you couldn't even stop your friend from dying? You did other things. Why couldn't you do this? And they're, they're kind of conflicted. It's like, I thought Jesus could do that. So Martha said, Master, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Even now, I know that whatever you ask, God will give you. Jesus said, your brother will be raised up. Martha replied, I know that he'll be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. That's like when a, a parent or a teacher is explained to a kid, and they're like, yeah, yeah, I get it, okay? And then they re-explain it, and the teacher's like, um, no, you're not getting it. Let me retell you again. Martha replied, you don't have to wait for the end. I am, right now, resurrection and life. The one who believes in me, even though he or she dies, will live. And everyone who lives believing in me does not ultimately die at all. Do you believe this? Yes, Master. As long, all along, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who comes into the world. 
So when we go through these tests and trials, she's, she's shooken up. Her brother is dead and buried in a tomb. The rock is over. He's wrapped up in linen. He has gone through the ceremony of being dead. One translation actually says he is now a cadaver. He is just, he's gone. And she is hurt and hurting. And it's in these moments that, that God refines us and he works in us. He works in our heart. So how do we take away this, this kind of attitude? How do, we, how do we take away moments when we're in tests from God? How do we take away these moments? Like, what's going to happen to us personally? How do we react? Because our reactions dictate how we are to other people. So A, relationship. Relationship. I like, I like the, the shoes of Martha here. Because when tragedy shook, she went straight to Jesus to talk to him. When tragedy strikes our lives, who do we go and talk to first? Who is it that we run to? Who is it that we're concerned with saying, I need to share with you, I need to talk to you about blah, blah, blah. A relationship. The first thing she did was talking with Jesus when tragedy hit. See, in the, in the dry aging of steak, there is this flavor that comes out of the steak that is not, you can't even, if you can't taste it unless it's been dry aged because it's such a subtle meat flavor that when dry flavoring happens, it just exponentially comes out. And it's this concept of when we have a relationship with the son of God and tragedy strikes, people around us go, you're not reacting like you should be. So why are you different? What's, what's happening here? And it's almost like the flavor that we have of our relationship with God is different. It's unique. It's special. It's, we give off a different flavor to people. People can almost feel that we're unique because we have a relationship with God. And B, when tragedy strikes, wisdom happens. I love it because Martha knew that her brother would be raised from the dead in heaven. She knew it. She had this concept. She had this divine wisdom reach out. When, when tragedy strikes or we go through tests, we go through trials, whatever happens, frustrations, do we understand who and what Jesus is to that situation? Do we understand that Jesus can, is the answer? Or is it, ah, I just, I got to endure I got to sit here through this pain and suffering and just hate life and blah, blah, blah. Or we say, you know what? I have this wisdom that Jesus can show up. And I'm going to hold on to that no matter what happens. See, she ran to him and said, I know that he'll be raised up in the resurrection at the end of time. I know, I know it. It's one thing to say like, Jesus, yeah, you can, you're, you're awesome. You're good. I love you. I'm excited for Easter. It's great. But it's another thing to say, like, I know. I know that no matter how much I go through on this, Jesus is going to show up. It might take some time, but he's going to show up. And then C, acceptance. Acceptance. Do you believe that Jesus can not only show up, but make a change in the situation? 
you accept Jesus coming in and saying, he, he can not only comfort me and just be here for me, he can, he'll be my best friend in this moment. But I accept Jesus that he will change the situation around, even when things look dead. I, I love the, the concept because Martha is going after Jesus to change her situation. It's completely dead. Her brother is, is dead. And she says, Jesus, you, you, can, you can do anything. So not only does flavor happen when you dry age something, but then number two, it's melt in your mouth tender. There's this moment in the video where they take a bite and they say that the, the dry aged beef just melts. It's so crazy to watch them actually cut the steak because they just lay the knife on it and then drag it across and it just goes, Funk. it just falls off. Like what just happened? And then they put the bite in their mouth and it just dissolves. How many people are, are thinking about just like, where do I want to eat after this right now? <laughs> Melt in your mouth tender. How does this relate to us? Things in our life need to break down for our heart to be tender. There are so many times where I'll have things happen and I can feel my heart getting hard. Like someone will say something to me and I'm like, oh, are you kidding? And I'll dwell on it, and, and Patty's like, you need to let that go, okay? I'm like, fine, I'll let it go. <laughs> Obviously, I haven't yet. <laughs> but there are things that we need to, to allow God to make tender. And it's the dry aging process that we have to go through and endure. Because sometimes we don't have those moments where we're able to make our heart soft yet. And God's like, it's okay. I'll, give, I'll put you through a trial to help you with that. It's better to learn first before God tries to help you out in those situations. Note, note to, to if you want to learn patience, um, I'm just going to say it. Don't pray for patience because God will help you with patience. It's better just to learn patience on your own than God coming up. I love helping people with patience. I want to derail, but I'm not. I'm going to stay focused today. Melt in your mouth tender. In trials, tribulations, all these kind of things, God, God is working and, and working on our hearts to become tender. In John chapter 11, going on with the story, it says, After saying this, Martha, obviously, she went to her sister Mary and whispered in her ear, The teacher is here and is asking for you. Let me pause on the scripture right now. I love the juxtaposition between Martha and Mary. Martha's like right away like, I'm going to go talk to Jesus. He'll take care of it. We're good. And Mary's like, I'm not even walking out that door. He can meet me here, right? Like my brother just died. Let's, you know, he was all talking about how healing blind people and doing all these other things. I'm going to wait on Jesus to come here. She's like, she's not even going to go out of her way for the God of the universe because her heart is hard. The moment she heard that, I love this. She'd been waiting for Jesus to show up. And then when she heard Jesus was waiting on her, she's like, Ugh. the moment she heard that, she jumped up and ran out to him. Jesus had not yet entered the town, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. She ran fast. When her sympathizing Jewish friends saw Mary run off, they followed her thinking she was on her way to the tomb to weep there. 
Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet, saying, Master, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing. A deep anger welled up within him. He said, where did you put him? See, they, they made a reaction and, and chose to follow through with the death of, of their brother rather than going to Jesus first. Just a, a moment. I'm guilty of this. Trying to deal with your own problems before going to God makes it worse. Moving on. Where did you put a master? Come and see. They said, now Jesus wept. The Jews said, look how deeply he loved him. Others among them said, well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. <laughs> Woo! Just throwing some shade on. <laughs> I love it because Jesus didn't even talk to them afterwards. He's like, never mind. Um, a, A, when God's dealing with our heart, that needs to be tender, the first thing he deals with is avoidance. Avoidance. Oh my goodness. I've definitely avoided things in my life, and then Jesus is like, I just need you to deal with avoidance, but then we'll move on. Avoidance. Martha went to Jesus while Mary sat in her home. The first part of, of having a tender heart, the first part of, of dealing with with all the frustrations is moving past avoiding God. Because when you start accepting God and you start dealing with this avoidance, you stop avoiding responsibilities and avoiding other things that you should be dealing with. But when you go to God first, it starts breaking down those walls. It's too late. He can meet me where I'm at. I'm not getting up. B. Snap decisions. Snap decisions. Jesus said, where did you put him? They had made a decision about what to do in the situation before Jesus even got there. Snap decisions. How many snap decisions have we made in our lives that may have not been the best? And in reflection, you're like, that was awful. I hope I don't do that again. And then one week later, you're like, I did it again. <laughs> Snap decisions. <laughs> I had this, um, this uh, mentor say, um, have slow feet. Have slow feet. Just in whatever you do, just slow feet. Just in, in making decisions and blah, blah, whatever it is, just, just slow feet. Don't necessarily be so slow you miss your opportunity but have slow feet. We're able to process and think through things and do the right thing. And then C, dealing with our tender heart, cynical. Cynical. If he loved him so much, then why didn't he do something about it? Ouch. God deals with our hard hearts by tearing down our cynicism. And then number three, when you dry age steak, you, you have to, 
have the outside, it has to be cut away. Number three is outside is cut away. The, the chunk of meat that comes out, it's just disgusting looking. If you look up dry aged steak, every picture is before you cut it away. It looks like it just needs to go from the freezer to the garbage can in total, immediately. It looks gross. There's some mold on the outside. It's all hard and nasty. It does not look appetizing. And the fact that they can take the most expensive, perfect steak on the world and make it better, but it looks gross on the outside, uh, there's something to pull away from that. No matter how perfect we get, there's still something God is trying to shave away in our lives. There's still something God wants to deal with. There's still something that God's working on in us. We are, no, we are not perfect ever. God loves refining us and just making us better. John 11, just continuing the story, says, Jesus, got, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. The Lord said, Mary, Martha, the sister of the dead man. By this time, there is a bad odor, for there has, it has been there. He has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? It's translated from, did I stutter? <laughs> I'm joking, but that's just, I, I, I like to picture these stories like that. Verse 41, so they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. That's like the prayer that parents do in front of their kids. Have you, have you done that or had your parents do that? Dear God, I pray that my child would stop doing blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you just told God on me. <laughs> when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. The outside is cut away. What, what are the, the things that God is trying to shape in us? It, it's, it's less about cutting and it's more about shaping. It's less about losing something. It's more about becoming something. God is shaping us. The first one is A, authority. Are you still in control of your life or trying to control someone else's? So the first one that God is working on is, is the authority. It all comes down to control. God, I want to be in control of my life. I want to be in control of this and there's control of that. And God's like, well, <laughs> I'm in control. Who do you think you are? And in this story, one of my favorite rev revelations of this is God spoke to three different things. First one, Jesus spoke to humanity to roll away the stone, saying, I have full authority over living humans. Roll away the stones. My authority is complete over humanity. Second one is God spoke to God directly, saying, I have authority from earth to heaven and everything in between. God is literally listening to me right now. And the authority, the authority will be demonstrated in one moment. And then the third authority is Jesus spoke to death. 
demonstrating God had this full authority over everything. He had authority over humanity. He had authority from heaven to earth and from authority over all death. And Jesus is like, I have control over everything and you're just trying to hold on to the little control of your own life that doesn't even work? If you give me the authority over your life, see what I can do. That's one thing that we, we cut away. We say, God, I'm going to shave away this in my life, my control issues. Let me, let me hand you my life. And then B, belief. Jesus showed up and commanded the stone to be rolled away, and they believed the dead body was rotting more than they believed that Jesus could bring the body back to life. They had belief in this. If you roll the stone away, it's going to smell bad. And that was their belief system. And they're saying, and then God's like, no, if you roll it away, why don't you have belief that I can bring him back to life? One of the things that God wants to shave away in our lives and, and shape us is our belief structure. Do we believe that God can show up? Do we believe that God is in control? Do we believe these things? And then lastly, see response. The last thing that, the last part of this, this story is when the stones rolled away, Jesus calls out to Lazarus and says, come out of the tomb. And he does. And the, the, the funny thing to me is Lazarus comes out as he is. He didn't take the time to take off the bandages. He's wrapped up, meaning he may have had a hop out of the tomb. No, I mean, can we, can, we, can we just be real for a second? He was still covered in what he was wrapped in and placed in the tomb. He came out of the tomb before trying to work on anything else. How confused do you think he was, at, he was in that moment? He's like, I was just in the bedroom, and now I'm wrapped in toilet paper or something, and it's really dark in here, <laughs> you know? And instead of trying to unravel, it says that he still had, in, in, the, in the Greek translation, it says that they would put a, a handkerchief, if you will, over their face. It says that was still covering his face, which means he couldn't really see that well. And he decided to come out to meet Jesus before fixing anything on his own self. And I think that's such a huge takeaway. When Jesus calls us, do we respond immediately or say, let me take care of some stuff first? That's the situation here. Lazarus could have taken care of a whole lot of things first. He could have taken the handkerchief that was blinding him. He could have unwrapped his legs so he could probably walk better. He's like, no, Jesus called, I need to show up. When Jesus calls in our lives and we feel these like nudges of this is something right or I feel like my heart is nudging me here or I'm supposed to say something. It's like these subtle nudges that you feel. Do you respond to that? Or just kind of question, uh, is that me? Is that God? Is that something I saw last night on a movie? Or just do we respond? Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, I love this, this illustrative play on dry age stakes. 
<laughs> Thanks for speaking through this to us. But I pray as, as the dry aging only makes the best steak in the world better, I pray that we see that tests and trials on our lives only make us better. It doesn't hurt us. It doesn't destroy us. It makes us better. And I pray that you would increase our belief, our faith. Let us hand over control to you, God. And let's start responding to you when we hear you. In your mighty name, amen. I appreciate you checking our podcast today. I want to encourage you to check out our website, lighthouse805.com. Have a great day.